Trent Cotney, and John Kinney are dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal business and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar. Hey, this is Trent Cotney, partner at Adams and Reese, and I'm here as always with John Kinney, CEO of Cotney Consulting Group, and this is another episode of Law and Mortar. John, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really good. It's great to be here. Glad to uh, be getting back and getting these out on track again. Um, on my end, uh, life is good. Um, getting ready here coming up on the holiday weekend. So I know a lot of people in the United States, uh, there's all kinds of religion celebrating this weekend. So it should be a very busy weekend coming up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, had, a, had a lot of change happen here as, as most uh most of you probably heard uh, Cotton and Construction Law, the, the team of lawyers and a lot of the staff over there joined uh, with Adams and Reese, making us one of the largest national construction law firms out there. So been a little busy, so a little bit of a delay in, in getting our episodes out on a timely basis, but that's going to start change here. And John, we've got a ton to discuss. And the, the news has been replete with a ton of different things that affect contractors out there. And I guess the first thing I want to talk about, it's something that, that uh, you kind of hit on in an article I saw recently, and that is uh, OSHA is kind of returning back to where it was as far as uh, electronic reporting requirements. And I, I saw recently that they were um, adjusting some of the, the log requirements that had to be filed by uh, employers that have over 100 employees. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, so we're going back to, you know, kind of had a break there for a little while, electronic reporting, you do the end of the year, you didn't have to notify about your company. And right now, the way it stands, and I, I believe it's open through the end of uh, May for comments, but I believe it's going to happen, it's going to go through uh, without any problem. You, you know, basically now, if you're a roofing contractor, and I believe you've got under 100 employees, you're going to fall into this because you're going to be considered the the type of employee of being high risk or extremely high risk, you have the different categories, you're now going to be required to make all these reports out electronically and upload them and you're going to track them. You've got to put your company and all that information. So I think out of this, besides the administrative costs that are going to come from this, because there's definitely going to be, um, I know one, I've done these, they're, they're not that they're super difficult, but they're a pain in the rear. You got to get all this information, have it all put in one spot and you got to go spend the time to upload it. Um, you'll, you'll see this when you read through the third part, they're going to use it to track companies for other reasons. It's going to be a great database of, shall we say, process targeting. <laughs> you know, I don't know how else to put it, but that's what it's going to end up being. It's been that way before. So I, I think it's a huge one that slipped in and slipped out, and I think it's going to change. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. They're still in the rulemaking process of this, but, um, you know, the last thing that, that I saw was that, um, especially the, the larger employees, you know, that have uh, employers that have over 100, they're going to have to uh, report their 300, 301s and 300 As, and there's a lot of very sensitive information on there. So yeah. that can be viewed by not just the general public, but your competitors. And that was always my concern back in 2016 when when this thing first started. So obviously we're going to keep our, our thumb on this, make sure we understand what's going on. And uh, as we hear updates, we'll, we'll make sure to report them to you. Yeah, um, this one, as you said, it's both got legal implications and it's also got the business end of it as well. You're going to have, have to have somebody dedicated to really getting these reports done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, then, and then the other thing that I, that, uh, 
I was always worried about in 2016 and, and they kind of admitted it was, you know, OSHA doesn't really have the technological capability to store all this information. So it's been six years. So maybe they, they've, uh, you know, improved their systems, but we'll see if it, if how it uh, comes. Well, to if push. I was going to lay odds in Vegas, I know where I put them. It wouldn't be on the improvement. <laughs> right. right. So uh, next thing I want to turn to John is uh, something that you and I have, have dealt with a lot being in the roofing industry and that's asbestos. And what's interesting is, the EPA under the Biden administration has, has taken an approach. They've started some rulemaking that uh, is somewhat open-ended right now, but it suggests that uh, any product that contains asbestos would be banned or prohibited. Um, one of the things that, that kind of raises a question mark for me is, is you know, inert asbestos uh, or, you know, like we were talking prior to hopping on here, you know, naturally occurring asbestos. You worked around asbestos for years being in the roofing industry, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we there's no doubt. We, I was back in the heyday, both putting it down and tearing it off when I first started. And I was even involved in some of the OSHA studies where you had to wear the respirators and they gather the, uh, you know, gather the, the, the exposure limits and all that. But the problem was, that we, you know, it's still there. And like you say, the smaller quantities, which I could never understand, they were still smaller quantities even after the asbestos, uh, uh, you know, when it when, went away, let's say, right, left the market, but your cements, your coatings, your other products, it's there, it's still in there, and, you know, and in the inert thing, I don't know how you would do away with that. It's going to be in natural fillers of some sort. It's kind of like in the house where they tell you up in the north, if you're up there, the radon's a big deal up in the northeast, and there's no, it's naturally occurring. You can't get it out of your house, no matter how you vent it. So that being said, <clears throat> I think we've gotten away from the worst end of asbestos, which is when we started. There's no doubt about it. It was in the felts. It was in the flashings. It was in the panels. It was in the shingles. All those are gone. But I don't know. This is kind of one of those. I'm not sure if the bang for the buck is going to be where I think you're adding a lot of additional burden onto eventually going to be contractors to any kind of a benefit at all from a health standard. That's just my thoughts of it. As speaking as an old roofer, of course. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and again, you know, still in rulemaking. So we'll, I'm sure there will be uh, comments and changes to this as it goes along and we'll keep you updated. Um, last thing I want to talk about, John, I want to end with uh, the materials issue, which continues to dominate the industry, you know, both from a price increase standpoint and from uh, lead times. And uh, in past law and orders, you know, we've talked about the impact that uh, the wars is having on on that, you know, not only increased petroleum costs, but just uh, lag in, in uh, materials getting to where they need to go, uh, shipments, things like that. Um, but uh, I think this new COVID variant that's coming out is, is also causing some disruption. I've heard, you know, China shut down, you know, uh, portions of Beijing and other areas that are large air, uh, you know, distribution facilities for purposes of construction materials. So um, I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on how you see the supply chain, you know, over the next year or so. Do you think things are going to improve or do you think it's going to get worse? Well, I don't really see it improving. Um, I have not seen one single sign out there, even looking beyond what the roofers and contractors are facing. Just any part of the supply chain demand is still not showing signs of improvement. I don't know about getting worse because I don't know what could possibly get worse than what we're facing now. But I, but I do, I, I've seen the same thing you have and even in Shanghai and your bigger cities, they're locked down. So 
when that starts to happen and you can't get product in or out, um, it's going, you're going to, we're going to have another dip. There's no doubt where it's going to be harder and harder. Um, that on top of inflation, on top of war, on top of oil, on top of everything else, I think we're probably looking at a not coming out of this even in the beginning of 23. I think you can extend this well out in past the midterms and probably closer to the next presidential election. That's just my thoughts on what I see. Yep, I concur with that. I think we're we're in this for the long haul. And that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, contractors really need to prepare on the front end when you're when you're looking at contracts. And John, that sort of segues into our favorite part of Law and Mortar, which is the question and answer session. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. This is what I look forward to. All right. So I, I, I picked this one in particular because, uh, one, I, I thought we'd be talking about it. And two, I think it's it's something that our listeners need to, to hear and understand. And that is this uh, this question is from Charlene. She sent me about a page and a half. So I'm going to try to summarize it for you. But uh, Charlene uh, is uh, acts as a subcontractor on a project and receives um, a contract from the general contractor. She is told that she cannot modify that contract at all and wants to know how can she account for increased prices and increased lead times if, if she's unable to do that. So I'll take a stab at it first and then I'll, I'll tee it up over to you, John. So a couple of different things I would suggest. First thing is, is recognize that even if you're given the master subcontract agreement, you always have to have a you know, follow-up proposals that include your scope of work. And it's possible that if you're crafty enough, you can bury certain provisions in there that will allow things like allowances or price acceleration provision or increased, uh, you know, lead times for materials, those types of things. The other thing I would tell you is bid accordingly, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's if you don't have a buffer in there, a significant buffer, then you're going to be left holding the bag if it's a guaranteed fixed price. So make sure that you're thinking about that. John, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's something I, that amazes me. I'm, I'm getting actually more inquiries <clears throat> about why am I still in trouble and can't get my price increases. But yet, there's, we're, as an industry, we're still signing the same contracts that put us in a corner. Uh, I, I got to be straight up it's coming the time that we got to stand up as an industry and say no. And I know not everybody does that. And that's what makes it very difficult because we worry about the next one. But I'll tell you, this goes back to, you know, you've done some webinars on this. We did them together on the negotiation. I think you got to You got to hold your ground because no one else out there can get this stuff anyways. They're not going to go anywhere. They're not. So you got to at least get something favorable in your terms, something, even if it's just, you know, here's the price today. We'll pay you just what the increase is, something. If not, you know you're going to eat it. You, I don't think you can get your prices um, looked far enough ahead to cover what the price increases are going to be. It's impossible unless it's a job you're going to do right away, right? So, yeah, if you're a homeowner, you know, residential roofer, contractor, yeah, your chances of less pain is probably better because you're going to get in and out. But if you're bidding on a large commercial project today, and you're not going to start it for six months, and you know it's going to get delayed anyways, you're probably going to get burned, and you're not going to cover it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's that's sage advice. And like we said, you know, before we, we asked the question, this is going to be here for a while. You know, expect another year of this at least. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it could get worse, knock on wood, but uh, you never know. So <laughs> make sure we, you're prepared. Strangers times. Right, right. So... 
with that, I want to thank everybody for uh, listening to another episode of Law & Mortar. As always, if you've got any questions for me, you can reach me at trent.cotney at arlaw.com. Uh, John, how can they reach you? You can get me at uh, jkenny at cotneyconsulting.com. Great. Well, thank you guys, and stay tuned next week for another episode of Law & Mortar. Thank you. See you next week.